Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Reel, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation. Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie. Now we'd like to introduce you to our Originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on The Next Reel was that was an adaptation? Uh, well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, then we did Charlie Kaufman. Uh, oh, of course, it was Adaptation uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief. Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material. That's right. Just head over to thenextreel.com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed. From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club. To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations. Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with The Natural and Field of Dreams, adapted from Shoeless Joe. And Up in the Air and Thank You for Smoking. So many memorable conversations. Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support the next reel in our family of shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version. We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we've put it on there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals, support the next reel, and get your next great read today. I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
in just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. I have to find that line now. You should. It's pretty early on. Oh, here. It's never happened. We've never had an unsatisfied customer. I think you, you mean, mean dissatisfied. dissatisfied. That's right. You're a left-brain word fetishist. <laughs> left-brain word fetishist. <laughs> oh, it's fetishist? Yeah, fetishist. I thought he said fascist. <laughs> This whole time. Uh, that is so funny. Uh, he might, maybe in the movie, he ends up saying fascist. In the script, it's fetishist. I'm going to actually pretend that he keeps saying fascist. I think that makes it better. <laughs> Does that make it better? It makes yeah, it a little it more. Makes it mo better. Mo, <laughs> mo better fascist. It is. It's mo better fascist. Uh, so, um, all right. I this is This is the big change I want to make for today. Are you ready? Okay, I right. yes. All right. Tell me. First of all, where can people find you? Um, where uh, would you like uh, people to find you, Andy? If they were looking for you, if you I'm going to we're operating off a presumption mm-hmm. that you're going to say something incredible over the next hour. And I want people to know up front, write it down, get your get your wee uh, pencil and your Moleskine notebooks out and write down where do I find Andy Nelson. Well, I think uh, at the movie monkey is fine for Twitter. Okay. That's good. And you know, Facebook, the movie monkey too. If they want to converse with me, then Facebook would be the better place to go, I mm. suppose. You if don't they do a lot of the replies. If they just want to hear me espouse uh, my uh, brilliant philosophizing of films, then Twitter is probably all they need. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. That's good. Uh, I, I also finally, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you actually clicked around, but I, I got your bio up. On the website, I saw. I well, I saw on. Uh, I don't know on on the. I don't know if I can say on that one website. Well, no, it's it's actually I've just I've just broken it. I'm gonna fix it while we talk. Um, but uh, so you, I've got your. I even have your Google Plus page. Uh, on that in that list of buttons on your bio. I saw. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah and that's that's a good place too. Google Plus is fine. Good. I like that. I look at I look at all of them. Occasionally, um, I look at all of them. Occasionally, I actually don't look at Twitter. Um, I I just tweet when I need to, and then if somebody comments, I'm usually notified. But I don't regularly. I sit there reading tweets. You don't? Boy, no, I know. I do. I go to bed. What, do, what does tweets? that make me? <laughs> a one-way tweeter? Twitterer? <laughs> I don't. You're tweetist. You're a left brain tweet fetishist, <laughs> fascist. <laughs> I'm something. I don't know what it is. 
I am. Where are you? I'm on the Twitter and the Google Plus and the Facebook, and it's all Pete Wright, except for Google Plus, which is number, 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 number. Just search for me. Oh. Or go to my bio on Rash Pixel TV, and you can find the um, the show I just, hosts. I just clicked on it, and it took me right to your Google does, Plus page. It does. It's that automated. Wow. You'll note I totally cheated after asking you for your bio for so long. I wrote bio coming soon. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. It's I'm coming, like, oh, man. See, it's, no, it's I was very coming. excited to read yours after all that stress I had of coming up with something brilliant for mine, which I'm still not convinced it is. Did you did you click? Uh, well, you. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. And I don't like the picture you used of me. Oh no! <laughs> I'm not convinced. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, I don't. You, I don't really well, care. then you send me the other one again. I, I'll look for the other one. You want the one where right. you're looking off screen? You know why I didn't use it? Honestly, I had it in there, and right. um, and it looks like you're looking down, like the Partridge Family. It looks like you're looking down at the show description. Which oh, is just I was. Kind of a, maybe hey, I am. Here's maybe a I'm story. reading it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you're reading. <laughs> it's like, I even this picture of me is too good to look you in the eye. <laughs> that, that's what it says to me. Oh, I'm not, not is, even this I, all picture. All I see is not enough hair. That's all I see. What? Yeah, it's, it's true, but what are you going to do? Oh, I miss these moments. <laughs> uh so that's uh so the we're the website I'm I'm migrating the website post by post and slowly but surely I think on the uh on the uh all of the Rash Pixel shows if you go to the old URLs on the old website they now redirect to the new website the new show page and so people should be able to find it if you just go to um, rashpixel.tv uh slash uh mwl uh and click on one of the shows if you click on any show uh, of the of movies we like on Rash Pixel TV, it'll take you to the new show page. Right. And so there's that. Right. So good luck. And um, it's slick. It's pretty slick. You know, I'm pretty. Uh, I, I'm I'm liking the Squarespace. That's what we're moving on to. Is this uh, Squarespace? I've been a WordPress guy for a long time, but uh, man, I'm liking the Squarespace. Having fun. You know what it was? I got the uh, the six. Squarespace V6 is this whole new publishing engine. I got a beta code to get in and play with it, and that that renewed it piqued my interest in Squarespace. So I've been having a lot of fun. So I figured this is a good as good a test as any. So I'll start building out the site. So it's going to be broken for a long time. So people who listen to the show, I apologize. There's a good chance it's full on broken at at some percentage until I get all the I've got I've got like 400 episodes of, of worth of posts I've got to get in there for all the different shows. I was going to say did you look at Joe Waters uh, bio? Joe Waters? I didn't. I was very um just egotistical if when you, I looked if at you the wanna, site. If you want to if you want to see a bio, you look at that guy's bio. Uh-oh. He does the Cause Talk radio show. It's a brand new show just launched uh, today, in fact. And uh he uh, he, he co-wrote the um um uh, the uh, cause marketing for dummies book. And, uh, he's got some history, that guy, he's got traction, oh. traction. I wow. love that. He's on the network. He has a long, a long bio. Well, he has a lot to be proud of and he has but, incredibly awesome Boston accent. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Well, and you know, you know, he's talking about something important. We're just, we're no, just yeah, talking he's about definitely movies. no. There's <laughs> <laughs> not to diminish it, but you know, saving children, talking about David Fincher. Uh, oh, yeah, no. yeah, especially this uh, week. This is a. This is not. All right. No, you're right. Hey, and, yeah. hey, now. Uh huh. I'm a fan of this one. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, that's right. Let's do this. Let's do this thing. I'm gonna. I've been putzing around, geeking out over here, trying to get this stupid feed to work for so long. Now, I'm ready to talk about this movie. But you know, we have to talk about some other. So people find you at the movie. I'm at Pete Wright. You know where else you should find us? You should check us out on iTunes. You can subscribe to us, and the link to iTunes is right on the website. If you uh, are on some other platform and don't like iTunes, I absolutely respect you for that. Check out the RSS audio feed. It's right there on the website. And finally, you can hear movies we like on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly on your iPhone, iPad, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and more. Maybe even your BlackBerry playbook. I'm actually not sure about that. <laughs> you don't have Stitcher, you can download not, it for free. It should be. <laughs> <laughs> At Stitcher.com or find the app in the appropriate app store of your pleasure. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. That's the truth. That is the truth. You know what I think we should start doing? Tell me. To inspire people to comment on uh, iTunes, like the five-star reviews that we get. Yeah. Is that easy? Yeah, we have some of those. Are you you're doing that thing? You're you're cutting out again. Are you on Wi-Fi? No, I'm not. You've been cutting in and out a little bit. Well, I've actually just been talking that way. Oh, okay. Let me check all of my connections. No, everything's connected. Hmm. That's no good. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. Adios mio. All right. What do you think we should do to inspire people to comment? Should we should we read our five star reviews that we get on on the air? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Do you have some up and live right now? I have I have the uh, the two five star reviews up that well, we I, have. So I'd far. love to love to hear it. All right, first one, another great one by Michael Berta. I've oh. been listening to Pete since before Beer Thirty Live and enjoyed each edition of his talent. This podcast is no exception. It is insightful, witty, and a joy to listen to each week. I've recommended it to my film buff friends, and I'm sure they'll enjoy it too. I love Mike Berta. I do. Yeah. He's a, you know, uh, yeah. I it, Beer 30 takes me way, way back. Way to go, Mike. Thanks for saying something, man. That's very kind to, to actually speak up. I don't know him at all, but, uh, but he left a great review. And so, uh, so thumbs up to Mike. And Kira Wright. A great podcast to listen to on a long weekend drive. I enjoy the, the episodes on movies I've seen just as much as I enjoy their banter on movies I haven't or won't. Hoping for many more. <laughs> there, are, there are actually, I, I know her pretty well. Yeah. And there are actually a lot more movies she won't see that we talk about. <laughs> I know. We're, we're going to have to like work on, uh, on hitting some different demographics. We've had some pretty uh, dark series seriously, so far. Seriously. So you wanted to talk about a trailer. Some trailer, some such trailer. Wait a minute. Did you, was this, <clears throat> did we already talk about Star Wars 3D? Was that last week? Um, no. All right. Well, go Wait. ahead. No, no, no. I did. Okay. So yeah, I saw Star Wars episode one 3D uh, and I really felt like tearing my eyeballs out for <laughs> the duration of it. It was, it was awful. It was 
amazing how painful it was. I went, I, I really had no intention of going at all. And it was one of those things where in a 24-hour period of time, I started thinking about when I first saw Star Wars, meaning episode four, when I was a kid and I was four years old. My daughter's five. And, you know, Star Wars has had such a huge influence on me. I'm just like, God, I really, I would love to take her to Star Wars and show that to her. So I decided to take her. Now, you know, to be fair, I took her to a a, a seven o'clock show, which means that her bedtime fell right in the middle of the movie. So she kind of got pretty tired and ended up falling asleep through the uh, last third of the film. Which but, is uh, the the more admirable part of the film anyway. The, yeah, it was the only part. Like she fell asleep and my wife, when I told her what happened, she's like, well, why didn't you just come home? And I was like, well, because it was. I finally got to the point where I was actually wanting to watch. Yeah, it. The, that was. So did the the because <laughs> that's the that's the the Star Wars Carmina Barana scene, <laughs> the big fight in the hangar with Darth Maul. Exactly. Which I I'm ape for that scene. I love that. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. How did okay? Uh, so what did the did the 3D add anything, or was it just was it just dumb? No, I mean it's. I've never had a problem with the 3D. I enjoy it. Um, the thing I, I enjoy the least about 3D, and I, I notice it a lot more in the conversions like Lion King and this, it's just so much darker, so much darker when you um, are watching the, you know, the double projection and you have those glasses on. And I, I just get, it's just such a muddy image. It, and it's it looks nice. I enjoy the... Um, depth of the world and and particularly for this it's not obviously wasn't designed with like lightsabers poking you in the eyes or anything like that so so that wasn't obnoxious in that 3d sense it just it just enveloped the world and there's so much digital creation in it anyway that you know for all intents and purposes they were able to go back and kind of redesign all of the cg in 3d and so i mean it did look pretty nice hmm but, you know, it doesn't help things like Jar Jar Binks, um, Jake Lloyd. And I, I really, I, I always hesitate blaming Jake Lloyd because from what I've heard, he's done good acting jobs in other films that he had been in around the time. But I really just have to blame the awful script. And it was just, oh, it's just painful to sit through. It was not good. And all the stuff about the midichlorian count. That, that like, you know what, that's that oh. scene on the, uh, it. I'm even going to give you Jake Lloyd. I'm going to give mm -hmm. you, I mean, directors have casting aneurysm. I get mm -hmm. it. That happens sometimes where you have an otherwise good script with a bad choice of a kid. That's fine. Kids are tough to work with. I yeah. get it. <clears throat> Midichlorians is what destroyed the mythos. Yeah, exactly. It destroyed it. It absolutely, it it wrote Star Wars on a book of flash paper and set a match to it. That's what it did. It just it it burned it up. Why did they have to mess it up like that? Yeah, that was it I was don't know. terrible. It was, and and you know it's it was interesting going back and watching it again because you know <laughs> just watching great actors Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman. Um, uh, Terrence Howard, you know, yeah. just all of the not Terrence Howard. Um, no. Who? Uh, what's who are his you name? Talking about? 
uh, oh, Ter- the, Terrence, the, uh, Trent Darby. Terrence, Terrence Stamp. Terrence, Terrence Stamp, Stamp is the, who is General Zod. I knew you were. I knew who you were thinking of. <laughs> uh, they, they're such great actors, but they all just feel so, uh, just lethargic almost. You know, they're just they don't know what to do with the script, and it's just it's so clunky and painful to watch. Um, and you know, it was it was telling to me that the part that my five-year-old daughter enjoyed the most was Jar Jar Binks. That's what she really enjoyed. And, you know, I'm like, okay, so it's, it's designed for five-year-olds despite the incredible amount of political banter, you know, which, which did bore her, but uh, all the little Jar Jar Binks hijinks kept her entertained while she was awake. That's really, uh, that's really interesting because you remember they, they really, in, in many respects, fixed two and three, and the politics are what actually let you hang on. I think in those movies, but yeah, for me anyway, this one, this was just. But, but I have to see it, and I, I owe it to my kids. I really feel it's just like you. I owe it to my kids because uh, I don't want them to. I want them to have that theater experience like I did. And this was this was my daughter's. Like I haven't shown her any of the movies up till this point. Oh my! So this yeah, my, really truly yeah. was her first Star Wars experience. And it's I, funny because I, I sort told of her, wish like, that I had known. I would have held off, but my my daughter's nine. You know, she's seen them all. She she can sure. recite her favorite lines from Empire. Well, it's funny. I told my daughter I was going to take her to a movie, and, and she's like, oh, "Which one?" And I'm like, "Star Wars." And she's like, "Daddy, that's for boys." <laughs> oh, no. So I'm like, "No, it's for everyone." There's a queen in it. <laughs> But so see, and that's actually, why she, episodes she did, four, five, and six were so much better because that, you know, I think that um, Carrie Fisher as a role model for young women made it a much stronger film. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I, that's yeah. And Natalie Portman did a fine job, but it's just you know she, she can't she, do much. She ain't, she ain't no Carrie Fisher. Yeah. yeah, but my daughter did dress up like a uh, princess. That she wore is great. Out, so that was at least fun. <laughs> So, but yeah, I saw that, and then I saw Journey to the Mysterious Island. I was wondering if you were going to catch that, and when we talked about the trailer, I, you didn't seem uh, very excited about it. I well, that's because I hadn't even heard about it when we talked about the trailer. <laughs> I didn't even know they were making it, so it was not one of those ones that I was again I wasn't planning on seeing. But a um, a buddy and I, we both took our kids to it, and uh, you know, it was more entertaining than Star Wars. <laughs> wow. It's, it still wasn't anything great, but I wasn't. It wasn't grabbing at my eyeballs, trying to rip them out. So, wow, that's sad. <laughs> we need another good adventure. I know what happened. To all the good kid adventure movies. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, uh, I let's see. I, oh, but I but ahead. I did see that great trailer, and this is what you had asked me was. What yeah. The what's was. What's the great trailer about? Please share. Uh, it's called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, <laughs> which, again, I hadn't even heard of this film, and uh, um, somebody sent it to me, um, and it's it's Steve Carell and Kira Knightley in this comedy where, you know, they find out that, you know, this huge meteor is hurling toward the Earth, and in, I can't remember, three weeks or something, it's going to hit the Earth and destroy it, and you see just like Steve Carell's, you know, not done anything with his life, and he's miserable, and... And he goes into work, and and the boss is just like, oh well, you know, who wants to be CFO? And you know, 
it's just really it was really funny and just like people are breaking down into tears everywhere and you know he has Kira Knightley's his neighbor and they end up she ends up helping him try finding his lost love and he tries helping her find her family and it looked like a really fun concept for a film so that's one that I a trailer I saw that uh, I'm quite excited to see she uh, okay two comments a she doesn't look particularly mannish in this movie <laughs> which I think is something it's that's one of the things she fights uh, and the second is, who plays the dog? I know that dog. Do you? <laughs> Do you know the dog? I don't know the dog. I, I'm just sorry. I, I'm not up on my uh, film you, movie th- th- dog. You're telling me that that dog doesn't look at all familiar to you? Uh, mm. There's got to be full, let's see, full cast and crew. Uh, find dog. Dog trainer. Dog trainer. I don't know if you're going to find that. I only have Sue Chipperton and Sarah Clifford as dog trainers. Sarah Clifford actually was the animal coordinator. Apparently the dog plays a big enough role to have two dog people on cast. (laughs) Uh, But I also, I don't see the headshot for the dog in the cast cast list. Uh, Shocking. Shocking. (laughs) Famous dogs. Okay, well, I can move on from that. Uh, I've had a, I've had a, believe it or not, a and he didn't make it to the. His name's not on the movie poster. No, he didn't. Just really, his... he looks like Benji though. Like when I look at the poster, it looks like Benji. Yeah. Which obviously it's not because you know Benji's dead. Sorry, children. That's <laughs> 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 just like a horrible thing to say. Benji's dead, <laughs> like your future. Because of the internet and robots. Uh, your future because the world's about to be destroyed. <laughs> I mean, you're, we're on so many strange tangents tonight. I, anyway, I, I tell me about your non-movie week. No, I had a terrible week for, for movies, you know, because I was sick sick last week. And then this week I was, I, my uh, lovely wife had a travel week for work. And so it's just been me with the kids. And so we've watched a metric boatload of Smallville season two. Mm. Oh yeah. That's and, right. I forgot you were watching those. Yeah. Yeah. We're cranking through it nearing the end of Smallville season two with the kids. They're loving it. I, it's not a bad show. I'm t- I'm you know, going back to it for, for that kind of age. It's, uh, it's, it's entertaining. I like that, mm. that, uh, that hunky Tom Welling. We just saw the episode where Christopher Reeve did his guest appearance. I had no idea he did. He, well, he did that. And, uh, you know, wow, what he's still, there he is tied up or tied down to that wheelchair with that trach coming out of his neck. And he still looks so strong, you know, like that guy, I just see him and I'm like, well, clearly he's pretending because look how big he is, like strong. Yeah. And he just looks like a, like a, a brick house. He's still super, you take off that cardigan sweater and I'm sure he's still wearing the uniform under there. Uh, it was just, it was sad, but it was, it was, it was, um, it was, it was good because they brought the score. That was the first episode where they brought the score from, from the original movie into, uh, the show. And so when he discovers it's, it's Christopher Reeve who reveals that, uh, you know, that, that young, uh, Clark Kent is from Krypton and, uh, how he got there. And that as he's revealing the big secret, you hear the ba 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 ba. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it's really very touching for those of us who were who grew up with that theme. 
Yeah, I thought it was a, it was great. We just just wrapped that up, so it was very much a, a TV week, and um, so I didn't catch any movies. Uh, I think next week I'm on for. Um, I'll see now. I've I've just f- forgotten it. I I actually have a movie date uh, with a buddy to see a movie that uh, I have not seen, and I'm very excited about it, but uh, I've just forgotten what it was. That's coming out next weekend. Yes, it it is pretty new. Um, yeah, probably Catherine Heigl's new one, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> line up for that. Yeah, oh, that we one, should do a Catherine Heigl bad comedy. Or this means war. Maybe I'll that, do oh. this means war. Oy, yeah. yeah. No, I I don't remember. I I can I'll tell you what it's not. It's not Underworld Awakening. That's one for, it's not, huh? for rental. Yeah. No. Okay. So let's talk about oh, this. Uh, what? What do you got? Oh, you got wait, I, I saw. I saw one more. Uh, I did see a, a DVD I rented, um, trying to catch up on all my Oscar uh, picks, mm. and it was um, a Better Life, mm. for which uh, Demian uh, Bichin, I think something like that, um, was nominated for Best Actor. And uh, a great movie, and uh, Demian Bichir is his name, and he uh, definitely deserves to be nominated for Best Actor. It's fantastic performance, great film, and uh, yeah, it was a real nice surprise. I didn't, uh, I completely missed that movie when it, it must have just kind of skipped by real quickly in theaters. Wow, yeah, so, that's but, uh, that's that, fantastic. Yeah, definitely worth watching. Right. So, I figured it out. So, it's Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, of course you are. I should have known. It's because of the. It's because of the directors. Ah, uh, yes. They're insane. Have you seen the <laughs> behind the scenes of these? They're insane. I I haven't. I They're haven't. crazier than the stunt people. Like they do all, all right. that you should see them. It's like sixty miles an hour on a skateboard, hand holding the camera, uh, being dragged oh behind a car to shoot the motorcycle <laughs> scenes. It's unbelievable. So I'm, I'm stoked to see that one. I, I think that's, they're really, they're known for the, the directorial antics. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. We got to yes, talk about this movie. Yes. We got to move on. Yes. Yes. Let's, let's jump into the game. Let's jump into the game. Okay. Um, so, so this, I emailed you. Okay. Go yes. ahead. You do, do the background, do the background. Do you want me to oh. em- talk about my email? Yeah. Talk about the email. All right. First. So I was, I was, really surprised because my memory of this movie was really strong right i i really i remember this as being formative for me particularly in my opinion of david fincher as a director and um you know in just you know that that sort of genre thriller um the suspense thriller kind of a kind of a thing and and um and it just did not hold up for me. I mean, it's been years since I've seen it, and I watched it, and I realized I found myself, I, I in in some places, sort of offended, uh, hmm. by by it. Like it, it just it, it. So I wrote you this email, and I told you this. I said this movie has not held up for me, and it's 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 angering me. And uh, and then you hadn't watched it at that point. Uh, and so uh, how uh, how does how does it sit for you? The game, David Fincher. You know, for me, it was one that I always bought into. 
like the the crazy rules of this world that we're in and i still loved it i watched it again and i loved it and i know it's one that a lot of people don't uh it's i think in the in the uh all of the works of david fincher i think this and alien 3 are usually kind of his um toward the bottom of people's lists well that's the funny thing i'm actually really looking forward to seeing alien 3 now because i actually think i'll like it better than i like this interesting uh but but it's for a different reason like i for me the reason it didn't hold up is is because it 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 feels extremely dated to me uh i the the foundation of the film the sort of um cosmic foundation of the film is built on the premise that we are to feel some sort of emotional sadness some sort of emotional tie to the sadness that this extravagantly wealthy protagonist has in his life and i found myself offended because i don't feel sorry for sad rich people and yeah. and that's how like how can i have a character um you know a character connection and feel anything for this character which which is the the basis for how i f- feel something for the movie when i just don't like him and i don't buy that so the, i i guess my point is i wonder how i would have uh, reacted to this film you know three years ago um and i'm not i'm not a crazy you know i'm i'm not out there protesting and you know pooping in the park i'm i i not that they're not that that's crazy that poop in the park is crazy i'm i'm not uh you know i've i've dug myself a hole i'm gonna move on from it i i did not protest but i have a really hard time you know with uh with feeling a strong connection a strong empathy with a, a character that is so clearly part of you know as long as we're in the hole part of the one percent sure Right, right. Oh, I'm well, so sad for you and all your money. <laughs> We're not sad for him because of his money. We're sad for him because he's lonely. <laughs> buy okay, a friend, now, dude. No, I'm sorry. You can't. No, everybody knows. Money can so, buy friendship. Yeah, that's right. Well, so here's here's the thing. I mean, there's this whole philosophy in modern screenwriting um called save the cat right this this uh book came out um i don't know when it came out a few years ago sometime in the last five years it's called save the cat uh by you know uh, a guy blake snyder wrote this book and the whole premise of the idea of save the cat is you can make your story about anybody uh but what you have to do is you have to have a scene early on where we meet meet the hero uh, or or the protagonist and they do something like saving a cat that defines who they are and makes your audience like them even if it's an unlikable character um an example that i heard somebody talking about was uh the movie the 25th hour which i don't remember very well but edward norton is the protagonist he's this guy he's got like 24 hours before he has to go turn himself into prison and he's he did some crimes and he, it's him kind of coming to terms with you know, basically paying paying the price for the crimes that he's committed, right? But right toward the beginning of the film, like he saves a dog. And uh, I mean, quite literally, I mean, it's instead of a cat, it's a dog, but it's quite literally taking, um, 
you know, doing what the title suggests, you know, he's, he's doing that thing that makes you like him, even though he's kind of still not that likable of a character. But by doing that, the audience connects with him. And that is one thing that I did notice while I watched this is you're right. There's nothing that Nicholas Van Orton does in this film um, in the beginning that makes you like him at all. There's nothing. No, there is. You're absolutely right. There is nothing. And, and I think, I think you have, you've described it, you know, you've described my feeling really perfectly. And you, you, at least that, that supports my feeling really perfectly. He's, yeah. he's not redeeming. Now, uh, there, there are some things I, I, dearly love about how the movie was constructed even though i'm finding that i don't actually like the movie all that much i absolutely appreciate a few things that still surprise me and uh the first of those is the gambit is revealed so clearly in the beginning and yet the suspense still builds to the end yeah that's that's really remarkable just how obvious the the game really is uh in the first 25 minutes of the movie as the as it is revealed and uh uh and and yet you he there is still this bit of sort of wonder toward the end well let me let me ask you a question jump back in time to 1997 um when this film was released try to remember when you first saw it did you buy into this whole story all the way to the end and, and the big reveal, or did you the whole time were you like, Oh, it's just a game. It's this is all part of the game. Like, were you one of those people who quote unquote caught on and knew what was going on the whole time? Man, I don't really have a memory of that. I, I don't, me, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I, 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 what I imagine now kind of trying to manufacture hindsight is that, uh, <laughs> Uh, is that it was some some feeling of okay, it's part of the game, and why why doesn't he get it? Why does you know it's that like I this is one of those movies I would have been yelling at, huh? You know what I mean? No, don't don't go in the door. Don't no no. Right. See, I I totally bought into it. I I bought into the whole thing like oh it's a game, and then when the whole big reveal comes when oh they're really just scamming him they're they're using all these tools to really rob him I was totally convinced that that was really what was happening yeah and then and then everything builds to the end and you know you you think that you know he kills his brother and just all this awful stuff like I totally bought into it all the way through to the end when he crashes he jumps off the building crashes through the glass lands on the bag and I was like oh my god it all really was a game like I totally was was in it hook line and sinker all the way through and I loved it. Um Chad our buddy who was on the show for the social network episode, he was like he knew the whole time that it was a game. And I I don't know, I just I guess I just bought into it and I just kind of went along for the ride the whole time. Wow. I guess there are those I guess there there really are two two ways to go. You either buy it or you don't. And you yeah. get to be surprised. You get to be surprised or you get to be right. Well, but see, I see it either way. It's going to end up being a surprise. And and maybe I'm just defending myself for not catching on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, if but it I think it would be it's an interesting surprise at the end when you find out it's just a game and you see how they how they end it and how how the big reveal happens when you find out it is just a game. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
which is but it's also a surprise like it would have been a surprise if it went down that other road where you know he thinks it's a game but it's really just this this crazy machination that these people have come up with to steal money from the one percent and and if they if they went down that road and and ended it on that path i think i would have been equally sold you know well then it's then it's a robin hood story oh it's a burglar story i don't know they'd have it's a heist yeah Yeah, it's a heist it's a heist story but either way i mean you don't actually have to give to the poor when you're when you're part of the 99% in order to give it, in order to be a Robin Hood story, because you you just keep it, you're already poor. You're already, right, 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 right. Yeah, I, okay. I, well, I, so I think that that's one of the film's really strongest merits is the general construction uh, of it. Um, and and yet, uh, you know, it, it didn't, it, it sort of middling performance in the box office. Yeah, it wasn't a huge success. I mean, I think they spent about um 50 million yeah. on the making the film. Um it made just under that uh domestically and uh about 60 million uh internationally and so it ended up bringing in about 110 million. So I mean, you know, it made its money back. It got um more money on DVD. So I think that they probably at least broke even on it. Hmm. How do you, uh, how does this movie, how does it stand up in the canon of David Fincher to you? I mean, do you, does this really, does this fit as a, we're talking about David Fincher and, and we, we've, we're doing this in reverse and now we hit this movie, his, you know, his, his third sort of major motion picture. And does it, does it feel like it fits there? Yeah, it's it does. I mean, it's another genre film. You know, he's he's proven himself um, by this point. He's made he had made a sci fi. He had made a, uh, you know, kind of a a police serial killer thriller. And now he's kind of made a kind of a neo noir uh, psychological thriller. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think he's it's just another another uh, link in the chain of genre films that he'd been making up to that point. So I don't think um, it felt out of the ordinary for him to be making this as a film. You know, I mean, if you look at the way it was shot, everything about it really feels very Fincher. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It feels, it feels very tied in with, um, you know, with seven. I mean, you can sort of feel the variations on the theme, in terms of general sort of shot structure, it's cut clumsily. Um, mm. I, I was not a fan of the editing. There are scenes where it's it feels oddly uh, oddly paced. Uh, the dog scene strikes me, uh, where the dog is chasing him down the the alley and they're climbing up on the on the the um, yeah the the things, uh, and and it feels like they run a, a little way down the down the narrow alleyway, and then the dog runs like three miles behind them. Like the the <laughs> distance the dog ran is significantly longer than they ran to get there, and it it felt like sort of a a B movie kind of a, a clumsy uh, editing choice 
knowing yeah. full well that they needed to buy enough time for the actual scene to play out. Uh, it, it just felt clumsy. And I, that's not the only sort of instance where mm-hmm. it just felt clumsy to me. However, the, you know, you go back to the premise and, and you know, one of the quotes, I can't, I honestly can't remember where I, I read this as I was reading it, but it was one of those, um, Fincher quotes, uh, talking about the, the, his initial intentions of the film, which was oh, yeah. to, to take your greatest fear, uh, put it right in your face and say, see, you're still alive. It's yeah. okay. You know, right, that, that, right. that, that was the sense. And, and I feel like, uh, it, it makes more sense knowing that from him, the movie makes more sense knowing that was his intention. I did not get that from just watching the film. Hmm. See, and I do get that from watching the film. So it's interesting. Um, it's it's one of those films where I you know he doesn't save the cat at the beginning of the film, but for some reason there's something about I don't know if it's Michael Douglas or what that just I do connect to his character, and I'm along for the ride all the way through, and like his character arc as he you know finds out what happened at the end, and. You know, Spike Jones is there wiping the glass off his face. And everything was he and, even Spike Jones at this point? Yeah, he was. He was. He was already a a big music director. Okay, music video director. But um, and then you know, Sean Penn comes out with that shirt. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, I was drugged and left for dead in Mexico, yeah. and all I got was this <laughs> stinking shirt, whatever. Which is, I, I just that want was, that shirt. That's that is clever. But and and he Michael Douglas realizes uh, what's going on and he kind of breaks down and you see that man who's been you know he, he just a terrible man who through all of this you know deals with his past with his father committing suicide and and getting over his his coldness and is finally able to be reborn essentially and. I thought that was just genius. And I, I always loved that construction at the end and especially how Michael Douglas played it. Um, yeah, I, I, I always bought into the world. It's it's one of those wor- things where it's like, you know, people are going to ask, it's like, seriously, are they able to, I mean, they have to get like essentially half of the people in the city of San Francisco involved in this elaborate hoax. Not only that, but like Daniel Shore at CNN <laughs> yeah, like that, which was brilliant. People, that that yeah, scene was. was actually terrific. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's, but you, you start realizing how many people are on the payroll for this game. And that was a big question I, I wanted to ask him. Like, how, how big do you think that bill was at the end? Oh, you really want to know, right? I mean, that's that's the... <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I think I've... I may be putting my finger on one of the reasons I had such trouble with... with uh, um, Nicholas Van Orton and I think it's because of Gordon Gecko. Huh. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's the same character. Right? right. Really? I mean, 10 years earlier, uh Michael Douglas plays Nicholas Van Orton as Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. We didn't like him. He goes to jail. He's a jerk. 10 years go by, it's essentially the same guy played by the same actor and he's all sad and lonely <laughs> and he doesn't save the cat. We know he doesn't save the cat because he's a jerk in this movie 10 years ago. So I think that was, that's, that's one of the reasons I think maybe uh, as a thought experiment, 
what would it have been like uh, if, uh, you know, Kyle MacLachlan and Bridget Fonda had actually uh, been in the movie as were originally <laughs> intended? Uh, yeah, it's funny. It would have I been me- a different movie. Well, yeah, I mentioned that to my wife, and she's like, seriously? That would have been horrible. It probably, well, probably, it probably horrible. Is. It would have been. It's, uh, well and and in, for all intents and purposes i mean that was a different script when they were yeah, signed yeah, on yeah you know that was when it was first the first draft or i don't know if it's the first draft but the initial script by john brancato and michael ferris and this was back in 91 when they were attached to it mm-hmm. um I, that would have been a very interesting i would love to get a hold of that script and see how it's changed fincher has a quote um let me find it here, uh, talking about the the film. He says, there were three primary influences on the game. Michael Douglas's character was a fashionable, good-looking Scrooge lured into a Mission Impossible situation with a steroid shot in the thigh from the stain. So those were kind of I, the, See, I liked all three of those movies. Yeah. And, and then he also says, this film uh, differs from other kinds of films because movies usually make a pact with the audience that says we're going to play it straight what we show you is going to add up but we don't do that in that respect it's about movies and how movies dole out information and i think that's true because i think a lot of people have a problem with this film because they find the uh all of those little um bits of the game to be just so far-fetched that people by the end of it are just like, oh, come on, seriously? Mm-hmm. You know, now they drove him to Mexico and left him in a grave in the middle of, you know, some random little town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you know, people just start kind of tune out, I think. Um, but, you know, I don't think it was, from this, it sounds like it was never their intention to play it straight, to to be a realistic movie. It was always designed to be a movie that just kind of tells you a story about this guy. Well, and that gets back to this idea of the construction. And when you look at, you know, Mission Impossible and The Sting, mm-hmm. uh, both of those movies, uh, in contrast with the game, betray your faith by 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 exposing the trick at the end that you were not aware of, right? Did Mission Impossible? Yeah. Uh well, what I'm thinking of is the is uh, the mask, all the mask pulling off. But you know, it's been a long time oh, since I've seen that right. too. Uh, yeah, but but, but yeah, I mean, that's the, yeah. Th- there is something going on that we, the audience, are not aware of, and it is revealed at the end. And in this movie, uh, even though we don't, it's not like we have a bullet point list of all the you know tricks they're going to pull on him. We know. Because of the explicitness of the setup, and finally Daniel Shore saying the game has started, mm-hmm. uh, we know that everything that comes afterwards is the game, and that is—it's it, almost like Fincher took this movie on a dare. That said, what if we set up this rule as a filmmaker that you have to tell the secret at the beginning? How would you make a movie like this? Like that would be a great film school class uh, assignment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I'm going to set up a challenge for you that is that is requires a a great deal of art and craft to to write your way out of. Yeah, uh, and because that's what this movie feels like. It feels like a it feels like an assignment. 
Um, and on that, I think it succeeds. Sure. You don't even care what I'm saying. No, I, I, I see what you're saying. And I, and I agree. I mean, it does have that sort of feel. It, it does feel kind of like they were testing themselves. They were seeing if they could kind of make it work. And they were just trying some new things to see, okay, if we did this, what would happen? If we did this, what would happen? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The, um, the interesting thing is that Fincher was planning on making this before seven. Uh, but Brad Pitt became available, and so they were able to jump on seven. So the big question is, if this was his first film, well, I should say his first film after the Alien yeah. 3 debacle, would his career have been able to continue, or would it have pushed him back into commercials and that would have been it? Well, he probably, uh, because, I mean, just, just assuming that this film was released as it is, as it as his second film, it you know, even though it was sort of mediocre in the box office, it wasn't bad. I mean, the, the uh, it, it got it, the reviews were strong uh, overall from the the big key uh, key reviewers. I mean, Ebert. It wasn't a four star review, but it was close. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it's uh, there. There were some nice comments about um, uh, uh, nice comments about the just general structure of the film that that it uh, that it pulled. It pulled well then, and when you think about the sort of cultural context of 1997, um, you know, the story fit better, I think, culturally, and and was uh, was accepted uh, better than I think it would be has it been made now. So I, I don't, I, you know, the, I guess the question is, would he have been allowed to uh, make a movie like Seven immediately after this? Right. You know, yeah, what, I mean, what, it... what comes after the game? Uh, yeah, it could very well have pushed him into a world where he just was directing um, assignments. You yeah. know, he could have been directing. Um, I, I'm trying to think what came out around then, uh, 98, 99. I don't know. But yeah, he could very well have just been making sequels to bad movies and you know, nothing, nothing that was as great as uh, he, seven or he could have he could have done armageddon he could have been the next <laughs> michael bay <laughs> but you know 90 I, immediately after this there were some really strong films that that came out uh and and 1998 it was a it was a good year for for uh knit, or for genre movies you know i mean if we had uh saving private ryan came out uh in in 98 um a Bug's Life. Uh, I know you loved Deep Impact. Uh, Was that ninety eight? Yeah, uh, that uh, that hit uh, Tay Leone, Robert Duvall vehicle. Uh, the best part of that movie was watching that tidal wave just smack <laughs> Tay Leone. <laughs> that was the best part of that movie. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, Truman Show. The Truman Show was that year. Oh yeah, that was a good movie. That was, that was a good. That was a great, great movie. All right. Well, uh, I uh, in general, I you know, I was just I think my um, if if I were to have some closing comments on that, I don't have anything else to say on this movie. Do you have anything else to say uh, just on the production of it? Any other? Uh, well, uh, I I have one. I don't I don't have a whole lot to say production wise on this one, but I did want to just say one um, one bit uh, I of Roger Ebert's review. Um, 
because I think he also, I mean, he liked it. So, you know, he's, I think, um, on, uh, on my side, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> since I mm-hmm. seem to like it more than you do. But um, this this line here, I think, kind of sums it up nicely. He says, of course, many of the physical details of what happens to him being Nicholas Van Orton are implausible or even impossible. But so what? The events are believable in the sense that events can be believed in a nightmare. You can hardly worry about how a horror has been engineered when you're trapped inside it. You know, it, it, to me, that just kind of, you know, defined why the why the this world worked for me and i wasn't concerned about you know were there really scuba divers outside of that taxi cab when it plunged into the bay and you know just all of those sorts of things like how they worked out the intricacies of making sure he jumped off the building in the exact right spot that that is the so to speak the biggest leap of faith (laughs) well yeah (laughs) no pun intended right uh, but it's, you know, I, I, I like it. It's just a really interesting character study about a, uh, a real, uh, not nice character who goes through one of the most, um, awful comeuppances, I guess, <laughs> that, uh, I've seen since A Christmas Carol, maybe. And it's, uh, it's really interesting to see how he, um, uh, grows and changes i like it you think he grows and changes yeah don't you by the end of it he realizes you know he's he's kind of purged all of the darkness and i I think at the end of the film he realizes there's more to life and he's he's able to make up with the um uh, what's his name's character? The uh, Armin Mueller stall, Anson Bear, the the yeah. other publisher, and it's you know I think he's going to make a change. I I think you're probably right. I buy that, but the the uh, the only thing I would say is, and and I think where the film falls short for me again in that character development category is that I think uh, I would phrase that at the end of the movie we are we see that he has reached this point of change not by the end of the movie to me by the end implies that you have actually been able to bear witness to his change through the course of the film and i don't i feel like it's sort of sprung on us at the end like we see him having reached the change in his life not reaching the change and and uh, you know it, it may be an issue of semantics but but for me that's a character sort of evolutionary character pacing issue um so no, and, that, and actually, that's a very, a very valid point. It's a great way to describe it. I think you hit it uh, pretty nicely saying that. Um, again, it doesn't bother me that the change happens so late, but uh, um, but I do, um, I do see how it could bother one. One meaning me. Don't worry, I hear you <laughs> loud and clear, dude. Loud. One clear. meaning you. One uh, meaning you. You're the. Um, I guess I can call you the. Uh, oh, now I, I don't have it anymore. Armin Mueller-Stahl. You're you're the left brain word <laughs> fetishist. <laughs> fascist. I'm a fascist. <laughs> uh, okay, so next week we're gonna uh, we're gonna. Uh, I've been looking forward to this since we started this damn series. I know. Uh, okay, now, we, should we talk about what version we're gonna watch though? We're gonna do seven next week. Yeah. Uh, what There's version? Only one person. No, isn't there? Wasn't there like a, a? There wasn't a director's cut extended edition. Let me tell you why I I say that. 
the version of it that I have, the reason it makes yes. me suspicious, I have the very first DVD release of it, which I ripped, but it required a, uh, it was <laughs> my DVD of it was double sided. Oh, because my they couldn't fit the whole DVD on one. It was like the very first DVD that came out. Wow. Wow. Right. That and Stargate. And it was double sided. <laughs> and so it makes me think it's been re released now and has more to it. But you're saying I don't have to worry about that. It doesn't have more to it. Um, they they repackaged it as a special edition. I think it came out in 2000 or right after sometime after Fight Club before Panic Room. Yeah. And um, they did a very, very thorough um kind of going through and remastering the color and just making it look gorgeous again. And um, I don't know if the DVD, the initial DVD press that you had, I don't, th I think it's probably just pulled straight from the, um, I, I don't know what they pulled it from the laser disc version or something. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was. I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure it was. I'm really interested in your take on the actual film process on this movie next yeah, week that's that's it's an, it's an interesting process they that they went through yeah. with it they didn't they did a film process on the game too something that i hadn't heard of before um and i didn't have time to look up what it was it was called the uh oh, what was it called the uh i can't remember some acronym uh where the they shot it in a certain way with the film ENR, a printing process known as ENR, which lent a smoother look to the night sequences. Yeah. I'm that. not quite sure what that is, but that's, yeah, that's what was, they did in the game. Too. It was very smooth, uh, very smooth. They, and they really kept it dark. They, that's one thing I know. Um, well, it's just uh, dark, the, dark film. One of the, um, the, the commentators I read in, in kind of reading up on the, the background of the film noted something that I had not, I had not noticed, which was every time Nicholas Van Orton pulled up to the driveway at his house, it was light outside. But by the time he reached his house, it was dark. Hmm. Right. And uh, so, and the, the comment was, what does he have a 300 mile driveway? Uh, <laughs> and, and I, I don't, I don't think he does. I think it's an, it, it, if you look at it that way, it's a really interesting sort of character choice that every time he goes home, he is in the dark, both literally right. and sort of metaphysically and emotionally. And when he goes out into San Francisco, like here's this dark character sort of fighting this, the, the light that is yeah. that is actually out there in his life. I think that was a that was a really interesting thing to note, and I that is one area where I, I look at that not as a continuity issue, but as as a a really interesting visual choice. Definitely. So definitely, it, right. it is really interesting. What I'd like to end on this this silly little note. As I was reading the script, um, I was at the uh, right when we started this. I was at the point when he was doing his tests at mm -hmm. uh, at CRS toward the beginning mm -hmm. and it's the montage sequence where uh, he's answering the uh, little true false questions um and the three questions that they have in the script are i often feel someone is following me true false <laughs> i hate vegetables true false 
vegetables hate me. <laughs> True, false. <laughs> yeah, that's a good place as any to answer. You got anything else? The, no, I wanted to end. That. I know you got so I'm good. Was... I want to end on save the cat. People, go save the cat. Yes. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today.